This week, Daniel Fonseca, founding partner of NetFluence, joins the show to talk about process consulting. We start by first defining process consulting and outlining the value it brings to clients and to the company. We then discuss if and how process consulting matches up with product implementation. Does it come before, after, or does it happen simultaneously? And what dependencies he sees with one over the other? Or are they even mutually exclusive at all? We then wrap up by diving deep into NetFluence's process for process consultancy and the particular framework, model, and processes he follows to help our listeners identify their own process consulting capabilities. Agency Unfiltered begins right now. Hey, Daniel, welcome to uh, Agency Unfiltered. How you doing, my friend? Doing great. Glad to be here. Awesome. Uh, I, I, as I was thinking about it before we, we jumped in, I, was, I, I think you're going to be the last person to see uh, the holiday, the festivities going on behind me here. I think this is the last <laughs> uh, holiday decor episode. So, <laughs> Where's the Christmas sweater, man? I know, I know, I know. I, uh, I packed them away, you know, for oh, next year. Bad. Um, but you know what? I don't think we're here to talk about holidays necessarily. I think what we're here to talk about is uh, process consulting or being a process consultant for your clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like yourself and, and Nefluence are, are great folks to, to talk more about it. And so maybe just to, to kick us off, the very first question I have for you mm-hmm. would be, you know, what does it mean? to be a process consultant. So what is it uh, and what value do you find it brings uh, to your client base? Yeah, sure. So every business has lots of different functions, whether it's marketing, sales, or service, or logistics, anything like that. And you know, most companies, when they get started and they're in startup phase, they're just everyone all hands on deck trying to get stuff done. And uh, a lot of the, the way that tasks are oriented you know, and how they coordinate with each other is a bit random and everyone kind of knows it. And everyone dreams of better days when there's more process. And so as a company begins to mature, there begins to be a sense of, okay, we've done this thing many times. We have a sense of how this is supposed to go. We should codify it so it's easier to train people, bring people on board, and that we can be more efficient. And those are pretty obvious ideas, but I'm just saying that's the, the mindset of any company that's starting to build itself. And it gets to the point, though, where folks know they should do it. Everybody knows they want to, um, what I might say is like McDonald's five or business where things are, sure. yeah. are easier and you can easily bring people in. But most folks are, are unclear how to do it. And, it, you know, it's not that you can Google very easily either because there's just a lot of different competing concepts around it. So a process consultant is someone comes in and can authoritatively help a business say, this is the way forward and here's how we're going to help you do it. And um, so that's the start is, is a company from the outside can come in and, and help, help a business have a, an outside set of eyes and, and make it happen and get those processes in place. That's great. Yeah, that's crystal clear. Daniel, how did you know when it was time or how did you identify yourself as having the authoritative perspective or the experience to say like, yes, we should be able to help clients with improving their processes. So how did you identify you were a subject matter expert? How can other partners 
uh, within the community of the partner program identify the same thing within themselves as well? Sure. Well, I think to some extent, every partner in, in the ecosystem should be should take this role on this to, in the ways that are appropriate for their focus, whether it's marketing or servicing or, or whatever they focus on to help clients with. But I would say six or seven years ago, I would not have self-identified as a process consultant. That's for sure. Um, I didn't know what the hell I was doing myself necessarily in relation to the tools. So I had to, to figure that out. And when you're running a business, you're having to figure out yourself what are the processes you want in place to grow. And, and we're a professional services uh, company ourselves, and there's a lot of variable processes. And in order to succeed, uh, you have to figure it out. And over time, as we did, we became, it became more obvious to us that, hey, we're, we're starting to get a handle on this. And then once you start to get competency around something, you start to feel like I can share some of these ideas with our clients. And then over a few years, we realized this is a business. This is a business model. We can actually help other, other clients uh, do this using HubSpot too. Um, I have some thoughts related to HubSpot specifically, but years ago before I started uh, NetFluence, I was working uh, as a developer to um, with different franchisees, and, and, and I, would, I would watch how large franchises were able to basically write these entire books on processes for every aspect of their business, okay? And I worked with a lot of automotive franchises, and so they had it very dialed in exactly every little thing they did. And one thing I was, was taught by a mentor many years ago is, like, if you can't write it in a book down to, down to a T, okay, you can't scale the business. Hmm. And so at the time that seemed intimidating to think about, but over the years I realized, you know, that's what every business should strive for is, is to be able to document their processes, have something that's consistent, but agile, that can adapt with the times. So anyway, I have more thoughts, but I'll stop there. No, that's great. I, I guess, Dan, I'd be interesting to get your perspective. What about processes that uh, frequently change or, or in flux? Like I can't imagine you'd want to write a book on something that is subject to change uh, and does change frequently. Is there, is there a different mindset for, for that or a different approach you would need to take or suggest folks to take? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'll speak from my point of view, but I think it's, 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 it's applicable to lots, lots of um, people who might be watching this. And that is um, a lot of the partners in the ecosystem. There are two competing methodologies when it comes to pro project management and processes of anything. And you know, one of those, what you guys, all know probably like agile scrum we're going to work together as a small team and just get the get the ball across the, the yard line and um and th that's a good methodology sometimes it's uh, synonymous with lazy thinking but <laughs> from a developer's point of view it's like oh we can't plan it that's not that's not agile but, you know you can plan but but there is a place for agile and i'll get back to that because that answers your question but the other methodology yeah. what some people think of as like a production line or, or a waterfall methodology is, is most appropriate for, for repeatable processes that will happen over and over and over and over again with very little variation. And so a lot of people think these, it's either this or that, that it's binary. And the truth is within any organization, it's both. You're gonna have some processes that fall into this camp of production line methodology or waterfall, and you're gonna have some that need to be agile. And if you don't have a framework to know which types of work go into which bucket, you'll forever be trying to, to resolve the paradox. Hmm. And so, so when it comes to agile processes, what I like about HubSpot is it accommodates both because on one hand you can have your Kanbans, whether it's a service hub or sales hub yeah. where you can set up the stages and easily move stages around. 
but you can also um, uh, you can you can have projects that are managed in that way, or you just have one project and everyone's kind of assigned to it and working on it, or you can set up things in you know in thirty two different stages and it moves you know um, in a method through sure. a process with a lot of automation. So we consult companies a lot around that. You know which process to use when. That's great. Yeah, that's a that's a great way to think about it. Um, you mentioned HubSpot. Let's let I, I guess my next question is a little more pointed to HubSpot or maybe any sort of software implementation. But where do you see process consulting matching up with product implementation? Does it come before the software is rolled out? After? Are they simultaneous? Are there dependencies for one over the other? Uh, so mm-hmm. how do you how do you marry those two um, service offerings? When you say product, you mean like HubSpot products? Like, yep. Yeah, uh, so maybe this question yeah. may be more catered to maybe somebody you're setting up net new on HubSpot or, or whichever software. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So what we do, um, I'll speak for ourselves, our own process with clients. What we do is, uh, let's say we're setting up a sales hub. And so it's a CRM implementation. The first thing we do is we get the why out of them. What is it you're trying to solve for? Give us a sense of the lay of the land with your team. Uh, what are your sales objectives, your goals? And then we extract from them in, in a series of questions, what is your current sales process? And so we just want to understand, you know, what that is. Um, and uh, once we understand what it is, then we come back to them with suggestions on how you can do this same thing in HubSpot. Mm. And then, um, so that's, it does start, I would say, to answer your question more directly, pro- the, the, the exact process itself needs to be surfaced early on in the onboarding for, for a new HubSpot customer. Um, yeah. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. Have you ever seen a process? So it sounds like it, you have to discover it early enough. Um, have you ever seen, or is there an example of a client or a prospect or somebody that you could potentially work with just, Hey, this process doesn't map to the software that you're looking to purchase. And how do you navigate those types of conversations? Or maybe they don't come up, but have they ever? Uh, yeah, let me think about that. So, I mean, our job is to always see order in the chaos. And so, um, so generally speaking, most of the clients that we work with actually don't have never thought deeply about their own process. Uh, mm. not. They actually, it's us looking at their patterns and extracting from those patterns, what we see as a cadence of steps. And so, um, and because we're purposely interpreting that cadence of steps as a way that can be utilized within HubSpot, we generally don't come into a situation where it couldn't work. Um, I would say there's probably some business models that that wouldn't be a fit. Um, maybe um, I'd have to think about that. But generally speaking, most of the clients we work with, that's not a problem. Um, so it sounds like it's more, it, they have steps, but it isn't necessarily as well-defined as a process as it should be. And so you help them, I guess, clear the fog or provide more clarity. So actually, this is a larger process and you map it pretty well to, to HubSpot. Is that fair to say? <laughs> Oh yeah. And that's the thing that actually makes people really happy when, when you're working with the client is it's not just at first they get into the software and they have all these dreams for what the software can do for them. Sure. But when they see their own processes on paper mapped out and then into the system, it's usually a wow moment because mm-hmm. it, it's going back to the beginning of this conversation. When I said that a lot of companies want to implement process and want to codify things. Um, I don't think they expected to get that out of us when we were setting up HubSpot for them. And they realized, wow, this is the beginning of something, the beginning of a repeatable way to, to do things that can allow us to grow. And they like it a lot. How does, uh, or do you get involved with, well, I guess you work with the stakeholders at these companies. 
but then there's going to be the people in which like a, a core of folks that have to now follow this process. How do you ensure, or do you get involved with ensuring like user adoption, uh, frontline users following process? Do you guys get your hand in that at all? Yeah, absolutely. We just got done, for example, training like a call center of like 70 folks. Uh, hmm. uh, and so, uh, yeah, at the end of the day, you can set up the system, but that's only half the job. The other half yeah. of it is, is user adoption. And so that's a, it's a major focus for us. Um, and we're actually more of the work is because uh, there's, in addition to, I mean, the tool set itself is already the, the user interface and HubSpot's really easy to use. If you can get the processes set up right, then uh, <laughs> if you get the processes set up right, then that also uh, is, is helpful. But beyond that, then you just got to get people to get into the system. Uh, a couple sure. months ago, we had a CEO of a company say, hey, you guys set this up. You know, how do I get my folks to actually use it? So, um, well, there's a couple of things. And I'm just going to talk real. Okay? Any, any business, anyone who's run a business. Uh, at the end of the day, whoever's running the business that we're consulting with has to tell their people, you must use this system. Sure. Okay? So, there's, there is that part of it. But the other part of it with the adoption is, is we need to find uh, early adopters, folks who are um, excited about new technology, love to try the new thing, uh, who are not managers. Managers have to promote the new thing. You want to find advocates within the organization. Let's say it's a call center, a few call center reps yeah. who get to be involved in the new thing. You teach them, you work out any bugs in the system, you get them excited about it, and you turn them into internal advocates so that when it comes time to do a, like a larger group training, okay, you now have people in the room who, while you're doing that training, whether it's in person or, or uh, over Zoom, as it is often these days, um, you have other people say, yeah, yeah, this worked for me. And this is what I did. And, uh, so, um, but every organization has different personalities. So I, I, I don't think I'm qualified to, to write a book on this subject yet, but it is important. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, it sounds the like the, the stakeholder at the client has to ensure the, I mean, they have to drive the accountability of the full team, right? Like it, it obviously falls on their shoulders, but it sounds like identifying some internal champions help with, with the enablement efforts of, of folks like NetBlue. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, now that said, we do, just to be clear, we, we do a lot of one-on-one -on -one trainings with individuals as okay. well as group trainings. And it's the one-on-one -on -one where you build a relationship, help them work through their anxieties or fears, yeah. unpack the stumbling blocks that make the system harder for them. Um, but, uh, but a side note, it also depends on where the person's coming from. Like we work with some folks who've come from enterprise, you know, systems and they're moving to HubSpot. We've had other people who want to know how a mouse works. Sure. Okay? Yeah. Right. And right. so what's necessary to adopt does depend on, on the, the that service. You gotta, you gotta deal with that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. How long are these training programs? Like if, if there's a ballpark number, like how long does this, this uh, effort take or how, you know, how long does it go for? Well, it depends on who we're referring to. So let's say it's a sales rep. Like we usually do a full-on sales training in either one four-hour block or two two-hour blocks. Okay, because the folks on the ground they don't have to be involved in system architecture or, or getting the data in the CRM or setting up the pipelines. They just need to use the tool. So if it's set up, once we've worked out some initial bugs with the early advocates, then we work with the sales team, we train them, and we want them to be live same day. Okay. So it's a very low friction for them. 
Now, managers and folks who will be administering the system, there's more involved. We usually tell them we'll need between eight to 12 hours of hands-on training with them. So they know how to use the reporting tools and sequences and all the other things they might want to do. Yeah. And um, in, from a calendar time point of view, we set the expectation that we're going to be uh, like our onboardings we do um, typically over a two to three month period. The first month and a half to two months is the build process. And then the last month is just purely on adoption and training from a calendar time point of view. But the actual hours on the ground from, from the customer's point of view or the client's point of view is, is fairly minimal. That makes sense. Um, to pull it maybe out of user adoption, more just process consulting at a higher mm-hmm. level. Whenever I have these conversations, I'm always interested to learn about the teams you need to build or develop to help enable this service. So mm-hmm. being a process consulting or offering process consulting services, what does that mean uh, for, for your team? Did you have to go source and find uh, skill gaps uh, to help enable myth, enable this? Did you develop your existing team? If so, how? I always love to hear more about team development for this type of stuff. Yeah, well, for us, I mean, it depends on what the focus is. For us, because this is, is our primary focus and we're trying to do it at scale, we need to hire a lot of these folks. We had to think yeah. through where can we find a lot of these folks and not just one of these folks. And so we decided to go to, we're down in the Miami area, but go to uh, local technical colleges and get folks who've done like database diagramming and folks who are used to thinking in methodical ways uh, in order to um, figure out how systems should connect. Um, in fact, when we interview, of course, we're looking for wicked smart people who can think through abstractions in their head. But That's very Boston that, of you, by the way. <laughs> You're looking for wicked smart, wicked smart guys. Yeah, I can't, I can't do the guys. accent, but it's yeah. probably true. <laughs> but the... Beyond that, though, uh, they need to have, uh, not everyone has the mental discipline to think very carefully, okay? And so you need to find folks who like to think methodically, and this sounds stupid, but it's true, who love flowcharts hmm. or love diagrams. Um, we once were interviewing a, uh, a potential uh, candidate for the role. They'd, they'd gone through uh, a university, studied, studied uh, IT, and uh, databasing, actually. And so we were asking basic questions about what are called ERD diagrams, entity relationship diagrams, things like that. And they said, oh, I don't really like those. I'm just, I just don't like charts and those kinds of things. It's not my thing. And I wondered to myself how this person graduated because, sure. you know, that your whole life is basically planning when you're doing this kind of work. And so, yeah, so my advice would be find at least one person uh, that you can hire. It doesn't have to be a, a database engineer. But it just yeah. has to be somebody who, who likes to think very carefully about the logical flow of a process. And uh, that person in a smaller agency can double up, by the way, not just doing process within Kanban flows within HubSpot, but also the automation workflows require the same kind of thinking, sure. like the if-then scenarios. So, so like a lot of HubSpot partners uh, focus on marketing. We don't, but I understand with marketing workflows, you need to, have your, you need to think carefully about how uh, the process should be built. So it's great to have somebody on staff who can do that hmm. and, and likes it. I mean, who really likes it. Yeah, well, they must, they have to, right? <laughs> yeah, because there's a lot to do on that front. How often do you audit or do internal consultation for your own processes? Do you take advantage of this service offering for yourselves? Yeah, so we have a team internally that we call the Lightning Thieves. Um, the so, Lightning Thieves. Yeah, so uh, we, re- we read a book last year um, there's a lot of books on the subject, but called the Toyota way that really, you know, puts an emphasis on how do you implement uh, continuous improvement uh, and optimization into a service process. 
And so, you know, one of the things, there's a lot to, to glean from that, but, but one of them is we've set up a dedicated team of folks whose only job is to make us faster and more efficient at what we do. Hmm. So we, we came up with a word for that. We called them the lightning thieves. Okay. And so their, their job is to take a given task and to think exponentially. How can we do that task a thousand times faster? Okay. And so how could you take, if you did this task, you did it and it took a year to do X, how could you get it done in two hours? Like just think mm. almost science fiction, like what would you do? And so that's their job is to obsess over how to speed up the process. And um, so, so on one hand, what I'm trying to get at is we do have a dedicated team of folks. That's all they think about are, are, is, is the internal processes for our company. Um, on the other hand too, then we've set up processes for the folks actually doing work for our clients where anytime that they see an optimization they can make, they have an easy way to submit that, that process request Mm. so that that we can do that um something i tell our companies and clients who work with all the time our our employees your employees know better than anybody where there's problems in the process Mm. but almost always they don't feel empowered to do anything about it so what happens is over their lunch break you know they throw back a whiskey shot with a coworker and complain okay so the goal is to how can you build out processes and allow people to provide feedback while they're doing the work and that's another topic but that's something that we've implemented and it's very important um to make sure that we're improving processes for ourselves and not just for our clients yeah no that makes a ton of sense actually opening up the channels of communication for for feedback to to make its way to the folks that have the what power to change these processes that's great yeah that's right as a side note um this is maybe a tangent but i think it's important to note um so it's, it's vitally important that whatever services are being provided, that we as an agency do the same stuff for ourselves. Um, sure. And it's also like HubSpot itself. Like we, we, we have all the HubSpot enterprise products internally. And I, I don't think we would be able to really be ahead of our customers and really guide them on using HubSpot if all of our own folks didn't use it. And yeah. so... Um, it would be ridiculous for us to do process consulting if we didn't consult ourselves. It would be ridiculous to advise companies how to onboard a HubSpot if we weren't doing it for ourselves. And, and you'd be surprised. We've met a lot of No, it's a, it's a point that needs to be made beyond just this conversation, but just anything, right? I mean, it's like the, the cobbler's children and, and, and that metaphor. But you have to, some say eat your own dog food. I say, you know, drink your own champagne. But yeah, you have to do it for <laughs> yourself first. So yeah, I you couldn't agree more. No. Uh, Daniel, last question for you. So I know mm-hmm. we're, we're just about out of time. So this is the last question sure. I have. Uh, I try and wrap every episode with this. What would you say is the weirdest part of agency life? The weirdest part? Can weirdest you give me part. A, a, a quick anecdote and then I'll see if I can come up with a corollary to that. Yeah. So uh, let's see. One, one example that I had in the past that was really interesting was how uh, various turns of phrase become uh, like, you know, codified into the lexicon of an agency. I think, I don't know what the context was, but one agency I talked to said, yeah, all of a sudden we just started saying like, pat the chicken for, I think maybe it was like client touch points. And so, Oh, did you make sure to, you know, pat the chicken this week? And he was like, yeah, it's weird how that just becomes just regular, regular words and regular turns of phrase at our agency. So I thought that was a pretty good example. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, lots of weird stuff ha- happens at companies, but uh, I'm trying to think through one that's appropriate for this 
context. <laughs> no, it is agency um, unfiltered. So, you know, depending <laughs> on where you want to take it, but. <laughs> um, so, Uh, okay, well, this is a dump, this is unfiltered. So I'll just say like, so, so one of the things we do a lot is um, in, the, in the development world, there's something that's called paired programming. Okay. Okay. So, that, and we try to exercise that ourselves with the developers. So that you always have two developers working on the same code at the same time. Okay. So one's doing, so it's quality is built right in. Yep. Okay. So, um, but when you're a service agency, you're doing a lot of communications with clients. And so one of the things we joke a lot about is what we call paired email writing. Mm. So we focus a lot on the quality of our communications. And, you know, this started when we were real small. And even as we've grown, we, we tell people always have somebody else look at the e email you're about to send and see if it makes sense and like sure. and all that. Now, anyway, that's not the weird part. That's, that's just something we do. So at the end of that, though, um, it's always at that moment we hit send. We, we have our own phrase we call it STB. This is unfiltered. So I'll just say what it is. It just means ship that bitch. Okay. And so we literally say that, you know, probably multiple times a day, you hear people on our team, like, all right, we're good. Email good. And we go STB and we hit Ship enter. that bitch. Nice. And get, Very and nice. Sent. And uh, guys and girls on our team, they do it. So yeah. Well, we, we are do. unfiltered. So I think that fits the bill. And I, there's, there's, that's a, that's a doubly beneficial story. Cause we get, there's weird moments of life and agency life and, you know, QA your emails and, and codifying the ability to QA emails. That, that also is valuable insight. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, Daniel, that's, that's it for me, my friend. Thanks for, for dialing in. Uh, appreciate, uh, you know, you grabbing the time with us, uh, but this has been super helpful, super insightful. So thanks for joining us. Awesome. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Kevin. All right, guys, this has been another episode of Agency Unfiltered. Unfiltered.